The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Tonight on an all-new Monsterland, how does a cup of joe prove angels exist? They might be giants, crappy band, but one hell of an interview. In the Navy, we report UFOs, bumbles in Bollywood, monster mail, monster media, you still want it, and he still wants to give it to you, Ronnie's ectoplasm, all that and more. Ready? Let's go! Welcome to a wicked mystery. A paranormal perfect storm known simply as Monsterland. The Monsterland podcast is recorded live in an undisclosed location somewhere in the heart of high strangeness, just outside of Monsterland, Massachusetts. And now, here are your hosts. Paranormal author, researcher, and speaker, Ronnie LeBlanc. And the host of the Curse of Oak Island drilling down on the History Channel, Maddie Blake. Greetings, monsters. We are back. Full studio, full episode, fully erect. Uh, metaphorically. Holy metaphorically. Shit. Metaphorically. Wow. We this, are erect. This is getting really hard. We. <laughs> nice. To do this. Well done. Well, thank you. Ronnie uh, carries in studio. Probably an awkward segue to yeah. a female being <laughs> yeah. here, but uh, hashtag yeah, her too. I get. Nothing. This is nothing. This is nothing. No. no. Uh, producer David. What up, gentlemen? What's Let's up? get monstrous. Uh, and Ronnie LeBlanc. Hello. Uh, sorry for scheduling, scheduling people. Yes, apologies. Uh, you know, we got we got stuff to do, and we're busy, man, and blah, blah, blah. We try our best. We at least throw out a micro-episode. Uh, so reminder, if you listened to the micro-episode last week, I filled you in on our schedule. Tonight, full episode. Next week, mega-episode, The Artist, Alien, or UFO, or Paranormal Connection. Um, and then we're going to take a little break, because I have to go to Oak Island, and Ronnie has to take care of some business, and we'll be back with season three. But let's focus Ooh. on the now, shall we? Shall. Uh, how are things, Ronnie? First of all, let's catch up. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Had a rough week last you week. Did. You did. It was really taxing. Work, right? Work and a bunch of other shit. Yeah. But uh, no, all good now. Feeling good. Energized. I think it was just something to. Were you? Know, would you say you were? Was it anything that would relate to this podcast? Were you spiritually under attack, or was it all I just kind of? I kind of felt you did. I I'll be honest. Like the last uh, couple of days, I've been feeling kind of more myself. Mm-hmm. Even noticing it, my body, like even like mm-hmm. how I'm walking, things like that. And uh, I even mentioned to Amy, I think it was two days ago, I said, I think I felt like I had a dark passenger the past couple of days. Yeah. Like I really felt like this kind of like a weight. Yeah. Like, me- yeah. you know, just kind of going through a bunch of crap. So if only there was something weird. that could cheer him up. <laughs> it sounds like PMS. It could be. It could be. Were you manstrating? I probably was. <laughs> <laughs> never heard that? That's a Maddie and Nick uh, exclusive. That's a Maddie and Nick term we came up with. Manstrating. Manstrating. Um, well, Ronnie, I'm glad you're on the other side of that. Here's oh, yeah. the deal. So- you know, I, you know, when you, it's like one of my favorite preachers said, uh, when you invite, when you say yes to the Lord, you're also inviting the enemy right. to come at you because he doesn't want you now to do it in insidious sure. ways. Yeah. So whatever your religion may be, if you step into the light, if you say, I want, you know, the simplest statement you could ever make in life is there's God or no God in your life. If there's no God, then you're in charge. Good luck with that. 
if there is a God, whatever you want that to be, then you're inviting the supernatural into your life. And when you sure. do that, you in, if there is that force, then there, by definition or by logic, there's probably an opposing force. So when you step into these realms, yes, you're going to occasionally be under spiritual attack. And mm -hmm. I'm glad I know more than anyone I know almost, you have the tools to deal with that. Yeah. I mean, I, it was just one of those things like one of the, I like to go to the gym or go run or yeah. start meditating, just try to clear yeah. It's like the thoughts start coming. You're kind of like, all right, subside yeah. a little bit. But things that were coming coming at work, left and right, I was like, all right. It's wisdom. That's like, why I, I, I always I always pray for wisdom, 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 so I can identify those evil little thoughts that mm. I think are me sometimes, or that I or evil little things or bad little things that normally would bring me off the path. Right. Go, right. Ah, it derails. I you. know what this is. Yes. I know what this is. Yeah. So good, man. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, so. I had this. I, this isn't a Maddie rant by any stretch of imagination, but it's a it's a it's a boring Maddie anecdote. We need sound for that. Oh, we do. Yeah, that'd be because great. now now uh, so many times on the show we hear from so many of you monsters who reach out <laughs> to us and be like, you teased something in your ridiculous cold open, but you never mentioned it. <laughs> I.e., Ronnie's ectoplasm for going on now. What will we, uh, will we ever have that? We'll see. We'll get to it. Season three. Um, there are, you know, there are people all over the world <laughs> thirsting for your ectoplasm. Oh, God. But, um, <laughs> how does coffee prove the afterlife? How could coffee prove the afterlife? I'm going to tell I'm you. I'm very confused. As I drink my extra large dunks <laughs> iced caramel with <laughs> Almond milk. <laughs> Wasn't the coffee that time traveled in last night's Game of Thrones episode, was it? No. Oh. That's a big controversy. Maybe, maybe there's a connection. Is yeah, there any coffee in there whatsoever? Yes, it's it's yeah, it's a caramel iced with uh, almond milk. No sugar, no cream. <laughs> oh good. Jeez. Except for the caramel. And I will be up till three AM. <laughs> no sugar, no cream. Yoko and Max my my <laughs> my uh, no sugar, uh, no cream. You have caramel. It's it, what? Uh -oh. Yeah, it's caramel iced coffee. Caramel or Carmel? What's happening right now? <laughs> oh, let's not get into that. <laughs> this is turning into Maddie. Carmel. Um, oh, I don't know if I can go on. Yoko and Max, as I was leaving tonight, I was like, oh, no, 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 I'll stop and get a coffee. And they both at the same time went, no! <laughs> you have Carmel. Max will literally say to me, he'll go, no. Did you have another cup of coffee, Dad? Because I'll be oh like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very high energy person, Carrie, as you know. You are. Okay. How does coffee prove Which the afterlife? I'm going to tell you. All the flame <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was actually trying to queue up uh, No Sugar Tonight by the Guess Who, which oh, would have been cool. Wow. But YouTube was not. Uh, Damn. Cooperating. I can, get, I can get it for you later if you want. See? You're being attacked. You're being attacked. I know. <laughs> okay, so. Gremlins. Uh, Gremlins. If you're Gremlins a regular too. listener to the show, you know that I had a radio show for two years, which I just mentioned just a few seconds ago, Maddie and Nick, coincidentally. And. During the run of that show, I started drinking coffee at 46 years old. Never drank it my whole life. I'm a super high energy person. Don't need it, but I fell in love with it. And I, and and so to the to the to the bane of my partner's existence, he hate Nick. He's like, no, no, you and coffee, no, because you already are the most high energy person I've ever met. No, so like he would walk in the studio and have one of these going, and have one of these Dunkin' iced, and he'd just like hang his head and be like, no, God, no, please. So. I don't know even know where it came from. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have a brownie with it. Let's just give a moment here for a great song. <laughs> don't make songs like this anymore. I know. Whatever happened to the guess who? It's anybody's guess. <laughs> who? Who? Yeah. 
Oh, I'm gonna put some sugar in it, all right. Oh man. Love to be at this recording session. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good, man. Does anyone see my cocaine plate? <laughs> no, you sound great, guys. You sound great. Uh, so wait, I, I'm an innocent moron. Uh, was the was the sugar referred to in the song cocaine? No, oh, I don't okay. know that. Right. That's I. You make a good point, though. Maybe we'll look it up. No, it sounds like... I would think that would be... Let me hear the lyrics. Look up those lyrics, Carrie. Let's I'm see, yeah. No sugar um, it seems to be like sexual reference. No sugar tonight. Yeah. Uh, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Ah. right. Oh, you've never had coffee sex? <laughs> <laughs> well, when there's caramel in it, you never know. <laughs> That's true. It can get a little sticky, but it's fun. Why was the caramel thing funny to you? I don't understand what... Because you say no sugar, no cream, but it's caramel coffee. But Carrie... Do you know that everybody that goes to Dunks puts sugar and cream in their flavored I coffee? It's disgusting. So, no added so much. Do you know what? Well, I was just saying how Do I order it. you know what caramel is? Caramel is like butter and sugar. It's fucking delicious. <laughs> I want to have sex it's with it. Nectar of the gods. Oh, plus the almond milk, I guarantee has sugar in it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm just saying. Yeah, because they have sugar. They have less sugar almond milk now. But so does regular milk. What time? Sugar. What right. time will you go to sleep tonight, you think? Oh, Three. God. Really? Oh yeah, I'll be buzzing till three. Holy but shit! But I but you're you're having those Wachusa Wally juices, so I need to. Uh, uh, I have to have my treat because mm. I have an addictive person. <laughs> All right, so the if the the backstory behind yes. this song is okay. actually fantastic. Give would, it to me. Would you like to hear it? Yes, okay. my God, yes. All right, hold on. Guess who? Um, the <laughs> according to Randy Randy Bachman, apparently a member of the Guess Who wrote the, the inspiration for the song arose after an incident when he was visiting California. He was walking down the street with a stack of records under his arm when he saw three tough-looking biker guys approaching. He felt threatened and was looking for a way to cross the street onto the other sidewalk when a little <laughs> car pulled up to the men. A woman about five feet tall got out of the car, shouting at one of them, asking where he'd been that day. That had he left her alone with the kids, didn't take out the trash, and was down here watching the girls. The man was suddenly alone when his buddies walked away. Chastened, he got in the car as the woman told him before pulling away. And one more thing, you ain't getting no sugar tonight. Yeah. The words, the words stuck in Bachman's mouth. It was indeed right. sexual, but it's pretty funny that there were three bullies, and then the bully gets bullied by this woman screaming, no sugar tonight. See, now, isn't there that awesome? Go. The, the artist, sugar shamed. The, the yeah. artist, and this will be the theme of next week's uh, big episode, the artist's connection to the paranormal, but the artist has a way of taking phrases and things and experiences and turning it into art. It's such a gift. Like most of us would just have that experience and tell us a story and just never even remember that phrase again. Right. It's like being a wordsmith. Yeah. It's like a right. tuning yeah. fork's always on. Like Paul mm. McCartney, you could be like, uh, if, if, if Paul McCartney was sitting here tonight, <laughs> he'd have four songs written about Carmel yeah. and me, you know, Carmel and me a cup. <laughs> Why is he the Lucky Charms guy? <laughs> uh, a friend of McCartney's tells the story about how they were walking down the street one day and and uh, a friend said, the weather's terrible, huh? And Paul McCartney said, yeah, but it's getting better. It's getting better all the they, time. See? By the time they got back to the house, he had the Boom. song in his head. Yeah. And also, do you know do you know where Aerosmith came up with the, na the name Walk This Way for their song? I don't. I don't. They had all the members of the band, except Steven Tyler, who wasn't there for some reason, went to the movies to see the Mel Brooks film Young Frankenstein. And if you remember, 
remember the uh, character walked of Igor, yep, Marty Feldman yes. said, walk this way and walked with his terrible limp to which, uh, of course, Gene Wilder does the exact same limp. They came back uh, to Steven Tyler laughing hysterically saying, the name of that song we're working on has to be Walk This Way. Wow. So it comes from a Mel Brooks song. Cool. Now you have to play it. That's so cool. Well, Marty orders his, uh, his caramel with no sugar, you know. Caramel with no sugar. It'd be a Beatles song in 30 seconds. Um, so now, all right, so coffee. So I started drinking coffee yes. out, of, out of nowhere. And I don't know where it came from or what. So Nick, my old partner who hated that I drank coffee, Goes to a store. This is all going to come to a point that I'll prove. And you were so proud on the show that you didn't drink coffee for the longest time. I bragged about it. I don't drink coffee. I bragged about it. This is going to all, this is a great Monsterland story that's going to all come together. Stay with me. I can't wait. All right. Like a Seinfeld episode. Yes. A paranormal (laughs) Seinfeld. That's what this is. This show is a paranormal Seinfeld. Oh my God. It's about nothing. Someone write that down. (laughs) See? So. I don't know where this urge to drink coffee comes from. I don't need it. I, you're right, Ronnie, because you were there every oh, yeah. once a month. Yeah. I would brag about it. I'm like, you losers with your coffee. I drink juice. I'm hell-. Suddenly, I love coffee. I was, we, out of nowhere. So Nick's like, oh, my God, he loves coffee. This is a disaster. And it was. I was. My normal 11 went to a 15. You know what I mean? So Nick is, we're Christmas shopping separately for each other at some point, And he gets to a store, and he goes, I can't do it. He was going to get me as kind of most a gag gift because he gave me so much shit for the coffee, a French press and bean grinding system to mm. make my own coffee. <laughs> Why would I get this from Annie? What? What's the deal with all that coffee? The last thing this guy needs is more caffeine. Seriously. <laughs> So something <laughs> in him. <laughs> you had to get him to drink, Jerry. All right. Go. So, so he st- as he describes it, he's standing in the store and he goes, "No, no, no." Uh, I'm gonna get. And he, he's like, "I almost." Well, I'll get to that. So he gets me for Christmas this French press system. I take it home and it kind of sits on the shelf for a while. And then I finally broke it up and I went on the internet. And from day one of learning how to do it, something came over me from the moment I first heating up the water, grinding the beans, doing the thing. I immediately got Zen. Like I immediately felt a peace. Mm. I felt it was, it was monastic. It was like a monk. It was, it was, it was spiritual. And I'm, and I'm literally laughing at myself going like, I'm making coffee. This is no big deal. But I would slow down, and it became my morning ritual. I had to do it. I had to do it. It reminded me of the movie I quote from time to time, Ronnie, the Tom Cruise movie, the underrated Tom Cruise movie, Last Samurai, when he says- You've never quoted that. I haven't on this show? I used to do it all the time. Never. Oh, and never. Shawshank. David, you can be my witness. Okay. I've quoted this movie before. I was just uh, sure, boss. Whatever the Last Samurai. I know I, I, know I have. because That's I, a great I, movie. Well, it's, it's underrated. Yes, you have. You have. Yes, because yeah. I actually quoted this quote, which I'm about to share now, oh. and that is, from the moment they- arise from the moment they wake up they seek perfection in everything they do and i kept thinking about that but i couldn't quite put my finger on it why this was so important to me but i had to get up and it wasn't even the drinking of the coffee which i do enjoy now it's the process of preparing the coffee now my son max is my witness that this story is true because i grabbed him one of these mornings by the throat (laughs) no i'm just kidding (laughs) i said max you got to see this i go isn't this well, first of all, he was mad because he goes, you, you wait too long to start making the coffee and I'm always almost late for school. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, I didn't know you were carrying that resentment around, you little <laughs> prick. You bastard. So, 
<laughs> so we were kind of, I said, Max, but watch daddy do this. I go, it's so, and I go, I don't, and I'm literally saying to him what I'm saying to you now, I go, I don't know what it is, but it's beautiful. It's like, I go, listen to the water board, you know, and I'm just showing him how I grind the beans and I go, smell that. And he's kind of like a 14 year old teenager, just like, uh, all right, weirdo dad with your monk, like clean, you know. So this is going on for months and we're in the car together just the other night, me, Yoko and Max driving to dinner and Max starts making fun of me and saying to my wife, uh, Yoko, uh, daddy's all into his coffee thing and he thinks he's a Zen master because he makes coffee and blah, 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 blah. And I go, I don't know what it is, honey. I go, but I'm just so moved by it. I just, something inside me is like, yes, Beautiful. be doing this, Beauty. be doing this, yeah. be doing this. And my wife, Yoko, just goes, oh, that's how your mother made it. And I go, what? Wow. And she goes, I tried to get your mother a Keurig, as a matter of fact. And she said, no, this is my time. I love the process of doing this. This is my special little time. And you're feeling that. And I'll you're start in crying that, and talking about right now. And I was like, in that, oh. dude, I knew right when she said it, I go, that's my mom. I couldn't Thanks. identify what it was, but it was her. 1,000% her going, yep, this is our little time. Now you're drinking coffee. That's And neat. you're making it just like I did. And this was, and she used to make it and sit at the kitchen table and just look out the window. And now, and when I heard, I could, now I grew up hearing, but I never knew mm. what it was. I never, mm. put, and now I'm doing it. And I'm looking out my window, taking a moment, just looking out in nature. Wow. You know, I'm like, and back then I was like, oh God, she just sits there and looks out the window. How sad. But I'm like, no, no, no. I get it, mom. I get it. Well, there's something about being, you're a creative person. There's something about creative something, something that, that can, in theory, be perfect. Like you can stick mm. a, you can stick a pod into a Keurig and make coffee. It's going to be pretty much the same every time. Every French press batch you make can be slightly different, slightly Excellent. better. Excellent right? Excellent Don't you think? Yes. It's like, yeah, we don't, we, what we do is so in the ether, uh, yeah. but to make something like a table or a cup of coffee it's, or a sandwich. It's in our or, subconscious. Yes, yes, yes. Just, you drive, you're yes. doing this. When you're doing those things, you're conscious. You're really only using a yes. very small percentage of your brain when you're doing these type of things. So then it's so profound that you're like yes. slowing. You're yes. in the now. So, so that's amazing. I and I'm wondering if that trigger... Of why you started drinking coffee in the first place? That's, I don't know where it came from. Yeah, it it's all a chess game. Like we don't understand. And then Nick even said, "Like I don't even know why I bought that for you." I was like, "No, do not do this." I was like, "Yes, I have to. I have to." Something in me was like, "I just have to get you See, this." See something in me. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so, so cool. Cup of Joe proves angels exist. Wow. Um, let's open a quick <laughs> case file, shall we? Now let's open another Monsterland case file. This one we touched upon. Uh, there's two actually we're going to cram in here, Ronnie. In yeah. relation to something that happened to you right in Monsterland, you actually tracked a, or you cast a Bigfoot track, a Bigfoot right. print, which we've talked about on the show. You can go back to earlier episodes and listen to that. <clears throat> the Indian government found a print. Talk to us about the story, Ronnie. It was all over the yeah. media this week. So this is, I guess, back in April 9th of um, this year, a few four weeks ago, the Indian Army was, I guess this mountaineering group, was in a particular area that has had Yeti sightings, and they found a series of tracks, which they posted a, a photo, mm -hmm. believe it or not, on their Twitter feed mm -hmm. three weeks later. And they wanted to wait to kind of, I guess, look into these things before they made this claim. Now, this right. is the Indian Army. This is like the equivalent of our U.S. Army saying, hey, we found Bigfoot tracks. Key point. This is the military <laughs> of, a, of a country. This right. isn't a bunch of you know Indian trekkers on their personal Twitter account. Right. 
And so automatically you're going to have people coming out of the woodwork saying, well, these obviously could be a snow leopard tracks or, or what have you. Uh, but I think this is pretty interesting um, that this is going to come out. And the fascinating thing is the size of these tracks. Yes. Now, the photo is kind of tough to kind of, you know, see in the sense of what we're, we're looking at here. Um, a lot of it is they're, they're believing, hey, it's been melted away. Yeah. But um, what I want to pull up here is that the size of these things are 36, I'm sorry, 32 by 15 inches. Ooh. 32 inches long by 15 inches across. Now, I will say this right off the bat, those numbers do match up in the sense of Bigfoot and, the, and Sasquatch and footprints. And, and, and this is what I'll explain is that the tracks that I found on Lumpster State Forest were about 11 uh, inches long and they were about a five and a half to five inches across. So typically, whatever that length is of the, the, the print, the width is half of that length. Okay. So this matches up pretty closely with 32 inches long, 15 inches across. Okay. Right? So, again, details about, you know, how the distance between the prints and all those things. Uh, but this is just something that's, like, pretty wild to come out from the Indian Army about this. Well, here's the actual tweet. This is from, it's it, the it's uh, ADGPI Indian Army account. For the first time, an Indian Army mountaineering expedition team has cited mysterious footprints of mythical beast Yeti measuring 32 by 15 inches close to Makalo Base Camp on 9 April 2019. This elusive snowman has only been sighted at Makalu Braun National Park in the past. Now, here's what pisses me off. The CNN article says this. <laughs> um, unsurprisingly, this is CNN, the tweet prompted a flurry of incredulous responses on social media, with many rebuking the Indian military for propagating theories previously debunked by science. How has so, science debunked? So what what she's referring to or he are referring to is that there were some hair samples that were studied back in 2014 that were deemed to be a bear. And so the famous photo that we're looking at now from Eric Shipton um, really sent the the whole world ablaze about Yeti and this whole thing. Uh, but what they've discovered is that this particular hair that they thought belonged to the Yeti belonged to some Himalayan bear. Um, but, again, we're finding these. There's still a mm. lot of current sightings that kind of go from the different um, uh, tribesmen that live in those areas. And this is right around the border of uh, China, I believe, too. So this is a, we have, in that spot. We have some sound here, reaction sound. From a trekker, uh, an explorer spends his time in the snowy mountains in that area. Let's hear what he had to say. Bumbles bounce. <laughs> wow, that's. I was like, oh, here it goes. It's compelling. It's compelling stuff, it Maddie. Is. That's yeah. a great drop. Good job. Dave. Reminded me of something. I'm not sure exactly huh. what. Interesting. Something yeah. I saw as a child, maybe. His, name, his name was Y. Cornelius or something like that. Okay. Um, Excuse me. Let's hear that again. His <laughs> insight. Yukon Cornelius. Oh, that was his name? Yeah, okay. there you go. All right. Um, all right. So the other case, Ronnie, I talked about it a little bit while you were busy uh, working. The Navy releasing, again, <clears throat> a statement through an article saying that they have now created a procedure by which their officers, um, employees, employees, 
pilots, radar operators, whomever experiences or sees something anomalous in the sky can now report it and feel safe that they have reported it and they won't be ridiculed, ostracized, or fired. Right, because in the past, we've seen that they would either get fined $10,000 or they get ridiculed, they won't be able to get assignments. And so they've been seeing so many different anomalous objects in the sky. And what I always find interesting is this is the U.S. Navy and this is not the Air Force. And we're going with the Navy is, is establishing this protocol for this UFO reporting system. And they're going to collect this data. The kind of little, I guess we could always expect this, is that the data that they're going to collect, they're not going to share with the general public. Because, and, and, you, right. know, you know, there's different classified stuff that's kind of connected to it. But I feel like there's even more to this than, again, what are we... No one knows what the fuck these things and are. And I think that's <laughs> fine, but but it's so, you know, like I said in that micro episode, it, it, I, for the non-believer, I just don't see how you can be a non-believer. And, he, and, and then even if you don't want to believe in UFOs, fine still, but to laugh at it, right. to scoff it off and kind of wacky X-Files type of attitude, when your own government is taking it seriously, that makes me angry. It, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the only thing that rubs my rhubarb. Wow. <laughs> is save that drop. Because like, okay, so a US Navy, you know, general or official, you know, is taking this seriously, but you, armchair quarterback who has no experience, nothing, never flown a plane, can't even right. crop your Instagram right, probably. You're sitting there going, eh, it's all fake, it's all made up. It's like ooh. Well, even, your own government's taking it serious. Even someone had post. I posted something, and, and someone said, well, "Who cares? There's so much evidence, anyways." But like, well, okay, that's the other. there's so much evidence, but what is it? What is? Who are these things? What well, that's is, the other thing. Like, no answer to that. I me- I remember uh, who was it uh, on the old radio shows? Remember, I think it was uh, Dean Del Rey. Oh, the, comedian. Yes. Yeah, he was being funny, and he's like, uh, "Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody man. cares, man." <laughs> and I, I'm like, "But they exist." Like, yeah, I know. They probably do, but I don't care. And it's like, well, that's another. I respect that more. Yeah. Like, oh, no, yeah, it's real. I just don't give a shit. All right. I think it's the most incredible thing in, yeah. in, in yeah. history of anything, like the fact that there might be other life out there. But but don't just slough it off like wacky guys talking about right. this and that. Well, the, tell that to the Navy pilot. I mean, this this tells you right away that there is a, a phenomena, something happening. Exactly right. That have to, their pilots are seeing. They have to exactly figure this right. thing out. All right, so uh, we will keep our eyes on that and more. Uh, let's get to our guest tonight. We are very excited. Speaking of uh, <laughs> large footprints, <laughs> although not necessarily Yeti, although maybe they are all connected. We're going to try and find out. Uh, Hugh Newman is an author, researcher, and explorer. He is an expert in giants and megaliths, and he's been on History Channel's Ancient Aliens, uh, and search for the lost giants. He's from England, and he joins us now to help us, Ronnie, try to figure out if what we're seeing in our own backyard, what you experienced as a kid, this giant thing moving through the woods mm. that you couldn't see, and stone monuments, and giant bones, and biblical tales of giants, and all that, is it related? Is it real? What was it? What could it be? Let's find out, shall we? In an incredible interview with Hugh Newman. Hugh Newman, author, speaker, you know him from Ancient Aliens, and now with my partner, Ronnie LeBlanc, on In Search of Monsters. Hugh, welcome to Monsterland, buddy. 
Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Hello, who are you? How are you? Oh, good. Thanks, man. Good. How are things in uh, England? Where are you in England, Hugh? I'm uh, surprisingly close to Stonehenge. I kind of ah. live within. I kind of live within the Stonehenge landscape, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of an appropriate place for me to be because I'm such a megalithomaniac. So it's good to be here, and uh, yeah, and also we've got tons of ancient sites here. You got you got this pretty mystical landscape to to live within. To be honest with you, there's burial mounds just next to my garden. It's pretty weird, to be honest. Yeah. Well, um, Hugh, full disclosure. Uh, Producer Dave and I, our producer, uh, we are huge Spinal Tap fans. So when you just said Stonehenge, <laughs> the whole time you've been saying Stonehenge, him and I are looking at each other going like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> he says it just. <laughs> well, you, if you ever visit, you should see what we've got in our garden. It is like a replica of the Spinal Tap Stonehenge. <gasps> like the no. little one? Like a, I, I think you the have to send me a picture. We had a Stonehenge monument in danger of being crushed by dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> That little one, like the little one that, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's even smaller, I think. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> so you guys got it, too. I love it. Oh, my it's God. A, it's a fairy Stonehenge. How about that? <laughs> In fact, David gave me, as a gift, um, a a drum, a drumstick signed by Viv Savage, the drummer. Like the he actor who it. played Viv. He signed yeah. Viv Savage. Yeah. He actually has a name. I don't know what it is. David uh, Fernetti or something. Yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, actual drummer. That's, that's quite classic. That's quite good. <laughs> Before he burst into flames, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> because inevitably he did. Spontaneous Every combustion. drummer. Um, well, Hugh, this is awesome. So, um, well, let, let's start there. What the hell? It's a podcast. We don't have any form. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Stonehenge and, and stone structures. and Megaliths. Yeah, and, and megaliths. Like, to for the neophyte like myself, like talk about what a megalith is and what they might mean. Yeah, sure. Um, well, a megalith just literally translates as like big stone or large stone. Um, and so it's just this, you know, as you know, it's a phenomena all over the planet. It's not just Stonehenge. It's not just like the pyramids, which are megalithic because they're made of extremely large stones. And it's not just, you know, obscure stone circles in England. There's a whole world of these. We have uh, examples like dolmens, for instance, all over the planet, every different country, all the way to Korea and Japan. I mean, there's tens of thousands in that part of the world to South America and other places. So, it's just there's just so much. Uh, even in North America, we have the in New England and New York State, we have the megalithic chambers, and also um, North Salem in New York, we have the Great Dolmen there. It was called Balanced Rock, which is about sixty to eighty ton dolmen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a bunch of stuff everywhere you go around the world. If you know where to look, you'll find megalithic structures. And I mean, what could they be? You know, as far as your research. Um, on the low end of the spectrum, I'd imagine they're just, you know, uh, people who were just trying to work with stone or make uh, monuments. But some, I imagine, might lend themselves to be more ethereal or, or more unexplained. Definitely. I mean, you, you, you look into the myths and legends, you start getting these sort of uh, snippets of the reality the ancient people were living in and how they, um, you know, worked with the stone they worked with the landscape they worked with the natural energies of the land i'm fascinated by the whole science of earth energies and the way the ancients with stone by placing it in the ground like acupuncture needles on these earth energy currents which mm-hmm. are like meridians around the planet um you actually get this system this energetic system which has now been proven scientifically to exist and these different types of megalithic structures had different purposes different reasons for their construction one of them was this earth energies thing 
the different styles would manipulate the earth energies in certain ways. It was partly to affect consciousness and to be like a meditative space or a ritual space, like a liminal space, like trying to connect to the other world. But the other the other aspect of this energy is that you could um, actually charge seeds and grains up with this t- natural telluric currents, a mixture of magnetic and electrical charge, um, which naturally occurs and can be manipulated by these stones. And so the ancients were, play- you know, were, were guaranteeing survival and crops and agriculture and development. It was like an ancient energy technology, which people are just starting to understand now. So there's different aspects. Plus, Many of these sites, I mean, if not most of them, were aligned to astronomical and solar and lunar alignments, right. suggesting they were they were measuring the, the time over vast, you know, vast epochs of time over hundreds of thousands of years potentially. Um, and so it's really quite remarkable when you start looking in to uh, the aspects of this. I mean. Obviously, the big question mark is, you know, you get some places like Sacsayhuaman in Peru, for instance, which is stones that are 150, 200 tons. They're pl- placed together like polygonal jigsaw pieces, mm. uh, like giant kind of kids have made them or something. It's, it's crazy when you start looking around the world at the quality and sophistication of this extremely aged stonework. And so... You know, how did they do it? You know, was it levitation? Was it like giants lifting it up? Was it some kind of high technology that we don't understand yet? Probably a mixture of all of these things, to be honest with you. Um, and so, yeah, so it's a bit, it's a big mystery still with these ancient sites. It hasn't all been answered. They're not what archaeologists think they are. They're not just like, you know, ritual yeah. landscapes or tombs. There's much more to these sites than people realize. I was just going to ask you that the question of, do you believe that this was the work of giants and also the, you know, I've heard of stories about using sound to levitate objects. Um, there was a, a recent, uh, I think fairly recently, maybe a year or so ago, uh, from one of your conferences um, that you spoke at, uh, talking about a, a finger that was, I guess, DNA tested, and that it was human, but it was about 15 inches long, that it had to be kind of connected to some sort of giant. Can you talk about that? That was found um, near towards Alexandria in Egypt, about 100 miles or 100K north of Cairo. Uh, this was back in the 80s. This was found. It's by a gentleman um, who was a former grave robber. His family were a family of grave robbers in ancient mm. Egypt. Um, and the guy called Gregor Spori, he's like um, a Dutch or German <laughs> researcher, actually uh, witnessed this. He was showing him all these different things he was trying to sell, and he pulled out this mummified giant's finger which was like you say about 15 inches long which would have equaled someone at least 15 16 feet tall um and it was you know x-ray analyzed it was human you know for sure and wow. so this, I mean, this is just and this is just the tip of the iceberg you know when you start looking at um the sort of evidence that has been unearthed and since much of it has been lost obviously when it comes to these giants it's a bit like it's a bit like trying to find bigfoot it's like trying to find evidence of these giants yeah. it's just always just out of reach it's always this ethereal kind of beast in the distance you can't quite get your hands on it and this is what this giant um uh, research is a little bit like but you know, just in Egypt alone, we have like 15 other accounts um, of between you know seven foot and 14 foot skeletons that are said to have been unearthed in that country, as well as legends, creation, pyramid creation legends of how they constructed the pyramids, and all these Arabian um, uh, stories and legends talk about giants building them, and so you know the kind of myths start meeting the uh, reality. You know, when you start looking into these different things. Yeah, Hugh. I- 
you must be able to help me remember this, but I remember talking to a Jesuit priest one time, and we were talking about giants in the Bible and the Nephilim and all this. David and Goliath. Yeah, yeah. and he said to me something like, it says in the Bible, uh, when talking in the New Testament, it refers to the Old Testament, and, it, and, and yeah. Jesus said something like, as in the days of Noah. And um, he was talking about that they used to display... I believe he said this was in the Old Testament. They talk about that they displayed the the bones of giants outside the temple at one point. Um, do you know anything about that? I don't know about that exact uh, piece you're talking about, but I've, I've heard similar things. And I mean, to be honest with you, the the Old Testament and the Book of Enoch, which you know you got the Book of Giants that's been discovered as well, and all this kind of stuff. Mm. It's it's remarkable when you start looking into that. Um, and the stories, and they're all they're all very matter of fact. Um, yeah. And one of the, and you know, then you mix it up with all the Sumerian texts and the translations and things like this, and you realise there's like a sort of you know, actual reality to this. It's not all kind of fantasy. It's not all made up. Um, and we found a whole bunch of accounts in the Bible lands all over the place. You know, that talk about these giant bones and skeletons and evidence that Goliath existed, and there's these inscriptions of, of King Og in uh, Byblos in Lebanon, for instance. Um, and so on and so forth so I mean you have to look at these things seriously now for years people just assumed they're all just make-believe you know the same with these legends uh, of giants around the world but so much evidence has been unearthed especially in North America of all places that that it's uh, you can't ignore it anymore and myself and my co-author Jim Vieira are constantly looking for new data I mean we've got this whole book we're putting together just about Britain we thought you know originally we had you know just maybe 30 or 40 accounts from Britain but since we started researching it we've got about 200 and really good evidence and good and all, all the folklore and and the mythos all, all matches it it's, it's bizarre so you know it's, it's basically just like pulling out you know it's like with the you know the sack squad bigfoot stuff it's like pulling out this kind of data that's there and trying to kind of piece it together combined with you know modern you know discoveries trying to piece back piece back this lost part of history Hugh, do you think that um, there are people who know the truth about giants? Like there's a, a cabal of some kind kind of hiding this uh, in, at the government level? Or do you think it's just we're just kind of uncovering it so nobody knows? I think it's, I think it's a bit of both, really. Wow. It's like uh, I, I'm pretty sure there's some – you know, there's some secret society. There's some like rich, you know, kind of guy in his mansion. You mentioned, um, who's gonna, is going to have like, you know, just a, a ten foot skeleton, double rows right. of teeth, yeah, right. on, well, on, 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 on display for all his mates to come around and <laughs> did drink it, cocktails. Uh, at, didn't know, the Smithsonian Institute kind of confiscate a lot of these bones and skeletons, or at least rumored to, back in the early 1900s that were found throughout yeah, North yeah. America? A, a lot, Man. a lot. We, we we have a whole chapter in the book, uh, Giants on Record, called the Smithsonian Files, mm. uh, that looks at all this. And we go into deep, you know, research mode to kind of uncover what they're they're really up to and their agendas. Uh, but we have one account, for instance. This is to do with the uh, Lovelock Cave in in, in Nevada, actually. Um, when it's said that when they were uncovering, um, you know, the bones and the mummified remains in the early 1900s from this this legendary you know giant's cave in nevada uh fallon fraternal for society who are a local kind of um you know fraternal group if you like um actually retrieved one of the the giant mummies took them back took it back to their lodge 
boiled it so all the flesh would come off it and then used the skeleton in their rituals and this is this is in the record you can actually wow. read this I mean, yeah. we actually feature this in the book so that's just the tip of the iceberg that's one that got reported so imagine what else there might be you know that hasn't been um officially disclosed Man. my god now all the uh, the megaliths all these different stones you talked about there the ability to conduct energy do you believe at one point in time that the Earth was kind of unified through this kind of energy connection, this network, sort of speak, almost like this early internet, neural internet, sort of? <laughs> yes, I do believe that. Yeah, in a manner of speaking, yeah, because um, you look at the style of these sites all around the planet; they're, they're almost identical, uh, especially these polygonal walls. You have stone circles in different countries, dolmens and other such things, pyramids, obviously, different size of the Atlantic and over in Southeast Asia, um, it just seemed like they were, that they had to, they had to be able to utilize and manipulate these energies for survival purposes. Um, Cause we know they were dowsers. We know they could, uh, geomance underground water. They could find, um, you know, minerals and things like this. Uh, they would probably observe light phenomena happening where these hotspots are, where then they would decide to settle and build their sites because they know that's the energetic spot. They must, you know, harness the energy from and i would imagine you look at things like the great pyramid and, and some of the larger sites they're like energy generators and they would and they would manipulate seismic energy as well as earth energy mm. and bring that into the system and then spread that you know like direct that through the the ley line system around the planet through obelisks standing stones and other such things and it wouldn't surprise me if there was something like that like a tesla uh, kind of invention right. placed around the entire globe in prehistory um i certainly there's a lot more technology in ancient times if you start rereading the old texts than people realize and uh, i think it's just a case of discerning what they were talking about and trying to reinvigorate these sites uh people have got done experiments by rebuilding pyramids stone circles and dolmens and actually getting results with this kind of energy hugh i gotta ask you a question i, I don't know if you know anything about oak island but i do work on oak island and there is a megalithic cross known as nolan's cross that fred nolan found he was a surveyor one of the treasure hunters on oak island and it's uh it's you know it's like 800 feet more than 800 feet long i believe and about 800 feet wide and it's it forms a perfect megalithic cross basically and so you know the theory is that it's somehow related to the treasure we've even had people come on the island and and relay that it's connected to uh, you know astrology the celestial body points to it perfectly and that it points it's like true north and all this type of stuff but i'm wondering now as you talk about these points on earth that draw energy and things like that might something like that not just be pointing to a treasure but might have been an attempt to manipulate you know using a, a hot spot on the earth that oak island might be it, it could well be i mean i I, have to admit, I haven't really watched the curse of oak island but i, I know i know all the people have told me all about it and I, I should probably watch it because it is pretty awesome apparently um but I, quite possibly i mean this this technology was everywhere i mean it's certainly in north america we know that the all over the americas in fact that this this subtle technology was being used it was often incorporated into mound sites uh megalithic sites and just standing stones and even like you know medicine wheels uh, which are more later kind of invention by the you know different native american cultures and so yeah it wouldn't surprise me and, and there's we know that there's long 
alignments, ley lines and astronomical alignments mm. across that country as well. And so I, I believe if there is something there, it's just part of a greater system that, that was known about in uh, you know very ancient times. Yeah, there's all kinds of stone anomalies on Oak Island, too. There's a stone triangle that was found and, and all kinds of carved rocks and weird things carved in rocks. So, yeah, that's I, I want to dive deeper into that. I think everyone's thinking of these stone anomalies on Oak Island, Ronnie, in terms of finding the treasure. But what if there was something? Well, especially even, with, with the priest, and there's a sacred, holy aspect yeah, to the to the right, location. Right, um, Hugh. Go back to giants, if you will. Um, I can't help but think: Is there any? Could there be any crossover between what we call Bigfoot and this whole history of giants? Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, this is something I've, I've been asked a couple of times, actually, and, and I've, it's kind of dawning on me that this is, in fact, a reality. I mean, when we wrote the book Giants on Record with, my, with Jim Vieira, we kind of just focused on, you know, human giants. We, we really focused on that. But when we kind of, you know, we, and we kind of just blocked out anything else, we wanted to just 100% focus but I had in the back of my mind there's something we we need to sort of discuss but we never did but what I, when I went through the book again we found this account um, from Dayton, Ohio in 1905 uh, of a very very tall skeleton was unearthed in this gravel pit and and I never really put it together until I reread the book and I realised it was a Bigfoot skeleton, clearly. It was like wow. seven, and a half, seven and a half feet tall, had really long arms, had a bent over back a little bit, and it had a kind of elongated skull and a, shape, big, yeah. and a big jaw um, with kind of strange jutting teeth, I think. And so, well, you know, and that is a description of pretty much of some, if not some, if many Bigfoot accounts, and, yeah. and it kind of caught my attention. So, um, so, so I, t- I told Jim this, and his brother Bill Vieira, who, who I hang out with quite a bit when, when I'm in America, and um, and I said, oh yeah, I've, I think this is a Bigfoot, and they completely laughed at me, and they think you know I'm just making it up, but actually I think it's quite possibly something there. We also have some of the legends. If you start looking into some of the the legends of giants, they cross over with. The Bigfoot stories. We have the story of, of Sukalu, which is a Cherokee tradition, mm. and he was a wild man of the mountain. Uh, and there's a place called Judicula Rock, I think, um, in the Carolinas, and it's got this it's got a hand or a footprint on the rock where he yes. was said to have jumped down from the mountain and jumped yeah. back again. He left his foot or handprint on the rock. But the story about him is that he was a hairy humanoid being of a giant stature, but he couldn't i don't think he could speak but he was telepathic and he had telepathic communications with a native american girl he kind of had the you know kind of liked i guess mm-hmm. um but his mother was the one who was te- her mother sorry was the one who was telepathic this human mother of this native american girl and she started being telepathic with this giant bigfoot creature called sukalu um and so i thought oh, that's really interesting and then she started directing him telling him he's got to go and collect the wood he's got to do these things he was doing all these errands to try and win the heart of the, of the mother's daughter and all this kind of stuff and then it all it didn't end well i don't think but it just it, and it made me think well why you know they're basically talking about the same kind of traits i mean i i personally come across when i've looked into um the more esoteric side of the, of the bigfoot kind oh, of research it's, it's right there, there's in a there. lot there's right a lot of tele, there's a lot of telepathy yeah and so yeah, absolutely you know, 
that you get this kind of strange people have this communication it may not be verbal but they can sort of send stuff and they get information and so then you look into the native american traditions in various parts of america you get similar things come up you know and it's like hang on a sec so there's this that element i find quite intriguing when you're looking at not only the giants but also possible connections with you know with the whole almost like a bigfoot tribes if you like you yeah, know that, that still are still hidden in north america Hugh, you appear on Ancient Aliens, so, you know, what about the whole alien thing? Where do you stand on that? I mean, might these giants have been, like the Bible calls them, the Nephilim or whatever? Um, do you believe that they these things could be alien, as we would call them? Or do you think it was more, you know, these are just a type of homo sapien or something? Early that, man. Right, early man, and we've just shrunk. What, do you, what are your yeah. thoughts? I, th- I think it's more likely when you're looking at the giants that we've been researching, it's, it's, they're humanoid. I mean, some of them have very bizarre... Uh, anatomic anomalies though like double rows of teeth we even had an account of triple rows of teeth Mm. from uh, amelia island in florida and this was actually in the smithsonian records this one Mm. um and then we have we have incredibly large jaws um jaw bones we have horn skulls often with tails we have dwarfs and giants living in the same buried in the same graves in some cases and uh we have very sometimes naturally what look like elongated skulls and strange cr- and cranial features like extra strange differences in the skull like different sutras uh sometimes with small holes in the back of the skull that are naturally there that nerve endings would come through also have claws clawed giants that have been discovered and things like this so yeah i mean until tests are done some of them could be alien i mean i, I don't know i mean there's, you have all these stories of the star beings in north america and, and that's often from my research and i'm sure you've covered this as well they that is the bigfoot is often connected with ufo sightings yes yeah yes so, so, so that i find that quite odd and yet i don't know how many people are really realize that to me that's a big deal well, then, so the, i think yeah the podcast we do monsterland was was named after this area that we're right outside here and and there are tons of bigfoot sightings but also orange orb floating light anomalies ufo sightings and yeah, they all seem to be tied together yeah. somehow that's right because you mentioned that uh you mentioned that when we met actually didn't you right yes yeah. part, part of your book and everything yeah right yeah okay Fantastic. Oh God! Oh God, Hugh was he was he peddling his book to you when you're doing the show? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, but a, it's, but it's a big, a big deal. That, fan, I mean, so. it's like it's often overlooked because you get the you know why are there connections between these things? Yeah. To me, there's there's different aspects to what when you when you even when you're studying these giants and this you know you start you kind of veering into like like otherworldly kind of studies like paranormal studies. Mm-hmm. You have. Um, you know, you're looking at you look in the British traditions of fairies and elves and sprites and things like this, a black shark, the ghostly dogs and the mystery big cats and all this kind of stuff. There's this otherworldly thing and there's like a, it's what what Patrick Harper calls daemonic reality where it's like it's like UFOs are in the same thing. Crop circles are in this as well, where th- there's a mystery there that everyone is trying to solve. They're heading towards it. They think they've just got the final answer, and suddenly it jumps away from you into another level of complexity, and you can't quite grasp what you were hoping for, and it gets more complicated and more difficult. So the more you look into these things, the bigger and more complicated and tougher it gets to crack, even though more evidence seems to be emerging. And so there's this sort of otherworldly kind of reality there that 
we're starting to reconnect with as for people who are researching this which but the people in ancient times you know they were they were you know just they were conversing with the elemental realm they were talking with the fairies these were real kind of beings that they were having experiences with they were in time slips strange life phenomenon uh, consciousness shifts and other such things so th- these are all connected i think well i was gonna just you're you're segueing it perfectly because a lot of these stone chambers there was there's a theory out there too that they were almost like t- uh, time travel chambers or a way for the shamans of the early uh, Native Americans to communicate with these other realms, these other dimensions. And so you, you started to kind of, I think, come across that where a lot of these myths and legends are real. And so it seems like within your research, you're finding that out as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, th- these chambers in New England are fascinating. There's a whole, there was a whole massive UFO flap in the '80s, the Hudson Valley UFO, right, New York, yeah, 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 all that area, and yeah, just over the, yeah, just over the in the New York side, yeah, and um, and all a lot of these chambers. There's a researcher called Philip Imbroglio, and uh, yeah, so I was going to bring him up. Yes. Yeah, and he, and he would he would witness uh, and hear reports of these because you get these you know you got the massive triangular UFOs that thousands of people saw, but you also got these strange kind of glowing different coloured lights which would go into the and they would converse at the, the location of these megalithic chambers, and there was a big question mark as to why he did tests. This was followed up by John Burke and other researchers uh, from Boston, and he they found that these were built upon magnetic anomalies. They were like energetic hotspots. This would affect consciousness. People would go inside them, as you mentioned. They would look outside, and they would have like time, di- you know, time slips of a few minutes, or even they'd look outside the chamber, and it'd be a different time period altogether. They'd step out, and it'd be back to normal. People got this gunji as well which is in connecticut which is another megalithic yes. uh, complex and so there's certainly something about that with these chambers and this sort of otherworldly phenomena that, that people have you know had experienced yeah he phil talked about i forget which one of his books but he and i referenced him in Monsterland that they're walking him and another researcher are walking by one of these chambers mm. and it wasn't there and when they walked back it was there like it was disappeared for a moment in time for them. So that kind of stuff just fascinates me that there's this other realm, this other element that's playing part of all of this. Yeah, no, I think so. I think it's something that I think these these studies that that we're all into kind of open up that a little bit. You know, opens up. It's like a, you know, it's something that was so normal just a couple of hundred years ago in Britain, in all, especially in Wales, especially Ireland as well. Uh, and yet, it's all laughed about now because we're all like scientific, we're all technical. Yeah. But you know, I've got certain friends who kind of access that realm and they're psychic. They have, they're like savants. They kind of are able to live in that in that space sometimes and communicate with these beings and it's quite it's quite an interesting study when you start looking into it um you know it's like the whole a whole different reality uh, and i thought i think i think bigfoot is partly part of that he's he's probably like yes. a big you know it's probably a beast hanging out in the woods as well you don't get me wrong but there's another another element there you know and mm-hmm. uh it's probably got skills we don't even know about Totally well, agree. Hugh, you're fascinating. Great guests, great stuff. Um, where can people find you on social media? Anything you need to plug? Where, where can we find you? Yeah, sure. People can just Google Hugh Newman. Uh, they can find me pretty. I've got a website, hughnewman.co.uk, and also megalithomania.co.uk. Um, yeah, check it. They can check it. I've got a massive YouTube channel, Megalithomania UK. Um, yeah, and 
get in touch. I mean, yeah, this is, uh, you know, keep, keep talking about this because, uh, but especially, you know, I'm into the megalithic stuff, the giants, uh, we, we do a lot of traveling and exploring. Uh, we do tours and conferences. We, we, we're, we're totally obsessed basically. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, so are we. And if you make it to new England to look at some of these sites, let us oh, know, please. brother, we'll have you in. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be, I'd be delighted. That'd yeah. be amazing. Hugh, thank you so much. Can you just do us a favor as, you, as you're leaving? Can you just say this This one goes to 11? <laughs> <laughs> I will say it. I feel uncomfortable saying it, but this one goes to 11. Yeah! <laughs> we you love you, Hugh. Thank you, brother. Thank All you, right, bud. No problem. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that was talk awesome, man. Thank you so much. You're great. Oh, that was great. <laughs> thank right, you, buddy. We'll talk. Cheers. Want to go deeper into the mystery? Get the book Monsterland, Encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot, and Orange Orbs by Ronnie LeBlanc. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere fine books are sold. Thank you, Hugh Newman. If you'd like to learn more about giants and everything that he talked about tonight, Meglo... Uh, I can't say this. Meg, Megalithomania UK. Is that how you say it? Megalithomania <laughs> yes. UK. And uh, you can learn more about that. That's a hard word to say. He's also on Facebook and all how, that. How cool was he to do the Spinal Tap thing? Love it. So great. So great. Huge, <laughs> uh, huge influence on me, that movie. He's and, a good guy. Uh, amazing. Um, why don't we do a little, speaking of media that affected us, mm. how about a little monster media? You are listening to the Monsterland Podcast with Ronnie LeBlanc and Maddie Blake. I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm coming apart. Now it's time. For monster media. So, producer Dave, checking in your humble servant, gentlemen, and Hello. I uh, had the thought of what paranormal TV shows should we be looking for this year? Maybe that we've already seen them. Maybe they have new seasons. Blah blah blah. Um, since you guys talk so fucking much, we only have time for three of them. But hey, <laughs> um, three is better than nothing. Maybe we'll come back with oh, three more. Three. Did I tell you about my coffee story? <laughs> Wait yeah. till you hear this. With no sugar, but lots of caramel. Yeah, tell us more about the coffee. Uh, so just, and mind you, this is coming from uh, producer Dave, who's not a uh, paranormal expert, but the, these shows, at the very least, have paranormal touches par paranormal sprinkles of salt and pepper in them mm, so yeah. producer Kerry has uh, helped me assemble some clips here for you guys uh, now the first one you've all heard of it's in the zeitgeist it's in the it's in the uh, popular media uh, but let's take a listen to the tra the trailer for season three yes. of stranger things oh yeah hit it wait okay all his toys are turning on by themselves right this is the lovable kid And we see the cast. And, oh, wow. And Eleven's bleeding again. Throw Here we go. Thank you. Fries him for his birthday and welcome home. And he. Wow. Yeah, he thought the and robots he, were really yeah. coming to life, but they were messing. His Anybody's... friends were messing with him, yeah. Oh, my God. The music is oh amazing. Oh, my God. I'm already oh, right? in. Yeah. I feel like the creators of this, like, read my diary or something. It's all, it's all 80s, right? But that's uh, how they e bring you in. Yes. yes. Nostalgia. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God, totally. <laughs> yeah, one of the teenagers has grown up and is walking around shirtless. It's yeah, like, and we're seeing the whole cast went on a rider. rider. They look all... Uh, Our kids anymore. He got taller. Yeah, the kids have grown. I mean, what did you think? Eleven looks like she's about 20. We're just going to sit in my basement all day. <laughs> <laughs> 
play games for the rest of our lives? This July 4th. It is important to me that you feel safe. I love how you shot. Like this can still be your home. Oh, she's going back. Eleven's going back into the upside down, looks like. Upside down world, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is beautifully shot. The colors are so yeah, vibrant. Incredible. I have the chills. Happy Fourth of July! You know what's so great, too? I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, yeah. I'm in, I'm in. The show launches in the summer, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and it takes place in the summer. I mean, yep. it's just a cool, like, when everyone's... Shutting off TV, they're they're bringing it on in the summertime. This trailer is amazing. Yeah, it's really like, uh, and how many shows? Oh, ooh, ooh, there's the creature. The thing is back. Yeah. Awesome. So I took the volume down just because uh, yeah. enough is enough. But so we've seen. Uh, Did you guys like one the show? Th- like one and two. I I loved, loved it. it. I, I thought I loved it too. Season two wasn't quite as good as season one, but it was so novel when it came out. Right. The, yeah, the so mix. So hard to. Yeah, mix of nostalgia and uh, paranormal. It's a paranormal yeah, film, right? Yeah. About so- something weird going on that the kids are in on. So, and the adults maybe aren't. You know, at least not right away. So, shades of ET, of course. I mean, it, it openly right. borrowed from ET and and the Goonies and shows like that. Absolutely. So, I'll read you just real brief the premise for season three. Uh, by mid nineteen eighty five. The era whose box office was dominated by Back to the Future. I'm not sure why that factoid is in the description of the show, but Mike and Eleven have the music. Devi- what, that music wasn't from Back to the Future, Carrie. I just want to say something before I lose the thought. 85 was one. Oh, we were just we, we just talked about, about another yes. guest, yes. but 85 yes. plays just came up before off the so off the air. Yes, and you brought up uh, Huey Lewis. I did. Who <laughs> sang two in songs from Back, Back to, to the, the Future? future. Yeah. Oh Whoa. my God. That summer there was so there was some alchemy, yeah. something in the air. Magical. In the summer '85. Yeah. It was just, be, uh, yeah, Didn't something was going on. Brian Adams. I'm with you. Uh, probably mm. Carrie. Yeah, Mike and Eleven. So Mike and Eleven have developed a romantic relationship, as have Max and Lucas. Now, who are Max and Lucas? Max and Lucas. I don't know. All right, let's move on. The heroes and heroines are living seemingly normal lives, although one year after the defeat of the Mind Flayer. I guess that's the monster, yep. right? Things are not all what they seem in Hawkins. The town has a new leader. I guess that was that guy we saw at the end of the clip. Yeah. Who looked vaguely like the Bill Pullman character from Independence Day, I thought, but who yes. knows? Yes. Happy Fourth of July. Yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, but uh, he's a morally corrupt mayor, Mayor Klein, whose administration supported and presided over the construction of the new Starcourt Mall. Mm. Back to the Future, uh, Twin Pines Mall played a, a role or twin something. With the fourth of Terminator. Get the, uh, and Mall Cop, of course. Uh, with the four, with 4th of July approaching, strange things start to happen. Oh, see, there's the title relevance. I never got it before. Lucas's sister. <laughs> Lucas's sister, Erica. I don't remember who these people are, but Lucas's sister, Erica, discovers a mysterious new threat and a lifeguard at the community pool suddenly disappears, triggering fear in those that still have the events from the previous year fresh in their minds stranger things season three oh. i'm fired up yeah man oh, that wait. that uh they just do everything right they do yeah. everything right on that show i'm in great job what, what else we got what else we got carrie we got we got clip number two ready uh yes darling we honey. have the <laughs> god 
Just call her 11. Come on, 11. Come on, 12. Coffee. Uh, the OA. Let's listen to a little bit of the trailer for The OA from Netflix. But she's never seen us before. Seven years ago, when she went missing, she was blind. Mom? Do you remember any of the events that led up to your disappearance? I'll take that as a no. I want you to close your <laughs> eyes. So it promises. You imagine everything I tell you. She was blind, she disappears, she comes back and she can see. As if you're with me. As if you are me. I didn't disappear. I was present for all of it. The biggest mistake I made was believing that if I cast a beautiful net, I'd catch only beautiful things. So central figure is this uh, Prairie Johnson. Yeah. Let's see if there's any more here. No, I think we get the point. Okay, so... Part series one now. Now, just for a point of clarification, yes. I've I've seen uh, season one. I'm kind of halfway into season yep. two. I, I got to get into this. I've I've seen it. both seasons. Yes, my okay. acting my, my acting coach and friend, uh, wife of next week's one of next week's guests, Tony Arkin, Amelia Campbell Arkin, is in this is show. In this? So I watched it. Yes. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, now, so that's Maddie dropping names. Uh, just mm-hmm. just pick those names up. Oh wow. Yeah, and she does an incredible job. <laughs> Jeez. How many times have you said Tony Arkin's name? Today? A lot. Well, Today. it keeps coming up. If you, it does keep coming up every time you talk. If you like him so much, maybe you should marry him. I wish I could, but Amelia's married to him, my acting yeah. coach. So okay, um, she's fantastic in this. Uh, Britt Marling created this. It was her baby. She stars in it. She. That's the actress. Yes, it, it received it. it <sighs> how do I say this? It takes a huge risk. A Huge risk at the end if you stay with it. At the end of the second season? Yes, like the whole thing. Because oh, I'm not there yet. Okay. Has the a whole point. story. It has a point. I'd oh, like it's it almost to, like a yeah. giant version of my coffee story. <laughs> but the payoff so is not as good. It all comes around. Uh, yeah, but all these little things that you think, oh, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense, and then it, it, it takes a huge risk. Now, mm. I like filmmakers that take yes, risks, yeah. even if, and this is what I was trying to if suss fail. out on my head, right? Like, even if I'm left somehow disappointed or confused or angry or disagree with the choice or whatever, I appreciate the risk taken. The courage. It's yeah. not the same. You old have said this before, Maddie. D- yes, yeah. Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna. I can predict you the ending. Maybe there's a twist. Like it's just always the same. Yeah. This thing takes yeah. a risk, and it deals with some current events. It sneaks in some current events in there, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's preachy. But it deals with uh, an issue that is a very hotbed issue in society right now. You're not talking about the the, the thing mm-hmm, with the, mm-hmm, with the mm-hmm. hmm, I don't want to give it away. Yeah, with the bang bang. Yes, exactly. That that <laughs> okay. it, with the guy it the deals with that. Well, let, let's let's if you don't mind, Maddie, let's yeah. just rewind. So yes. I saw season one. I, I really loved it. I thought it was novel and fresh. And yes. so without so no spoilers here, since we've we've wandered down a no spoilers right. trail. 
the OA, uh, she calls herself the OA because she's the original angel, which mm-hmm. uh, I, f- mm-hmm. I had forgotten okay. until I looked it up. But she's a woman, an adopted young woman who resurfaces after having been missing for seven years. Upon her return, she calls herself the OA. She has scars, mysterious scars on her back. Yep. And she can see, despite being blind, when she disappeared. Yep. So, and then it takes... It, there are so many levels to the show, right, Maddie? I mean, yes. there's the paranormal, which you fu- you soon find out that it's uh, she has the ability, in some sense, I don't want to give anything away, but to access different dimensions, fair to say? Or... Yes. Yeah, every, every I don't know if time travel is the right word. That, and that's one of the... F- criticisms of it is that some things maybe are left ambiguous where you're like well what yeah. about that thing and why were you but most of the things that you will see along the way pay off in that risk taking ending agreed mm. and, and she doesn't even realize it and then on top of that if there's, you're with there's a right she doesn't know everything that's happening to her in the, right. mo- in the moment right. at least at the beginning and then on top of all of it there is a uh, an almost Hannibal, your favorite guy, Matty, Hannibal Lecter <laughs> type, type uh, evil genius yes. who is yes. the, the nemesis uh, yes. in, in, in this. Uh, who has show. them in cages, which you can see in the trailer. So you see that in the trailer, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so he is doing some kind of experiments for yes. some reason and has held people captive, including her. And yes. that part is super compelling. So it's got, so it's got, so it's like a, a thriller plus paranormal. Yes. Um, and they have a, yeah. a communication system, which none of them understand. Right, which which also comes into play. Okay, uh, I got. I'll go back and finish season yeah. two. But but yeah, if you yeah. haven't, Ronnie, you got to go back. Oh, Harry, you got to go back. It's kind in. of it's I, kind I, of about. I never even started. I'm it. totally diving into fate and and yeah. forces beyond your control and cool. and faith and are we just swept along in it or can you can you use the stuff that you're tap into it? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's, it's really cool. It's really risk taking, and uh, I say all power to her. Yeah, you know? it it reminded me to, of it's daring. Yeah, it reminded me of the first couple of seasons of Lost, where, where yes. you just you just kept seeing uh, something there, like there's something going on, and I don't know what it is, but I need to stick correct. around to find out. Now, if Lost uh, had just taken a wicked chance and not done the oh they were all dead thing, yeah. that's like the OA. Some somewhere uh, around season three or four, uh, the TV show Lost wandered into a bar, got drunk, and just staggered <laughs> out and fell on its face. That's what happened. Like Ronnie and I. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like except with coffee. coffee. Right. Right. Um, no caramel. All right. Let's do the last. Caramel. 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 Let's. <laughs> I'm in the caramel. Let's do the last one. So I don't. You guys can be the judge whether this is a stretch to All call right. this a paranormal show. But but Black Mirror the series deals with a lot of paranormal. Definitely, it does. And, okay. this, Definitely. and these are all evil scientists in every single one of these shows. <laughs> I think I think uh, the overarching theme is like somehow. Correct me if I'm wrong, but usually they involve technology. That's yeah. that's what I right. Is Most that? of them take place in the not too distant future. In other words, you right. can sort of recognize the world as our own, except right. there are little twists that mean we've advanced a little more. Sure. Yeah. So this isn't a spoiler, but one of the episodes in season uh, now I'm going to forget if it's season two or three. They're blending together. Is that robot dogs have advanced to a technological peak whereby they can attack and kill and. Guess what? Some of them have malfunctioned, and some right. things have gone wrong. Right. And so that's just, and the reason why it hits home is because we've seen those mechanical dogs right. in in recent demonstrations right. of robotics, and so it's not too far a leap. So a lot of, the, of those are like this, but this one they they really sort of blew the lid off the paradigm with Bandersnatch. That that's the oh, name yeah. the name of this episode. So Carrie, let's take a listen to the trailer of Bandersnatch, Black Mirror. Weird things. 
What sorts of things? We're going to be a hit factory, like Motel, but for computer games. You heard it here first. Bandersnatch. It's an adventure game based on the book. Jerome F. Davies was a genius. See that bloke who went cuckoo and cut his wife's head off? When it's a concert piece, a bit of madness is what you need. No, oh, it's a good one right there. Oh, voices, but there is something. Bandersnatch was the final straw. By the way, I've been waiting for the Frankie Goes to Hollywood follow-up album, so I'm glad to hear that they're... Uh, yeah. How about the Frankie Goes to Hollywood biopic? You see the bigger picture. That would be good. It, it has a Stranger Things... That does. ...with the title. Uh, I also uh, just watched this with Yoko the other night. You did, no, Bandit's Yes. Now, this is who the had one the, that Who was holding the remote, Maddie? A million permutations, right? Where you can kind of... Let's just say that Frankie Goes to Hollywood song had a double meaning that night we watched. <laughs> <laughs> did you have coffee? <laughs> Let's just say that Maddie <laughs> delivered some caramel. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yes, it's the Choose Your Own Adventure tale. Yeah. It was, it would fit exactly did, into what I was just saying. Did you were, oh, were yeah. You able, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? And what it does is, it's brilliant. Um, it's angering, it's infuriating in a way, because it'll <laughs> just, certain choices you make, it, it keeps, it, it'll just end. And, and it, it kind of... It forces you to eventually go into one. It's only. I'll it's, say it this it's way. funneling you. <laughs> Correct. To Thank okay. you. It's only going to end one way. Uh-huh. It's only going to uh-huh. end one way, no matter what you do. Got That's what you realize. But it takes you a while. You oh, I see what two, you're saying. Like, yeah. like there are times when you pick what you think is maybe the counterintuitive. Correct. Thing. Like, let's see it go this way, but then you Correct. end up back in the same spot. Which wow. is right. the whole point of the thing. The yeah. whole point of the story is that right. we are under control. Yes. And at one point, and I hope this isn't a spoiler. I won't give any details tells away but like you're actually talking about Netflix and being and he's like someone's in control oh. of this and it's you with the remote <laughs> so it's really that was, wow. fucking, that was awesome. fucking brilliant it's wasn't it awesome yeah. like whoever wrote this is a genius uh, Machiavellian genius yeah so the, so the main character finds himself in this pickle well many pickles but he's he's work he's trying to create the ultimate video game mm-hmm. which in itself i think is a choose your adventure video game uh-huh. right and so and so he yes that's right and so from right off the bat he has to make decisions so if in case you missed maddie and i just spewing over this and how original it is <laughs> you actually hold your remote control yes and within the first two minutes he has to pick what cereal he correct. wants for breakfast and you get to pick correct and the music he listens to ah. in his headphones right. and yeah, it, and it, Carrie, it responds. So yeah. so it goes a certain way depending upon what you push. Correct, and you go back and watch it again and choose all different things. Right. But like I said, it, it directs you somewhere but, that's really wow. cool. But Maddie, there are, there are, cool. there are it, although it may end up in the same place, there are, I went back and played around with it a little bit, and there are entire storylines you could miss, or at least kind of bizarro twists that you might miss. How many yes. different storylines well, do you think there, there are? There uh, are hundreds, oh, hundreds, hundreds of thousands. I heard there's a million. There are something like hundreds of thousands. Really? I'll look, I'll Combinations? Look, yeah, I'll look it up here. Oh, yeah. that's scary. What was the budget for this? But here's the thing. My question well, is, do you mm. see this creating a trend? For yes, absolutely. I, I hope so. They got sued. They got sued. 
they got sued by the Choose Your Own Adventure <gasps> book series. Oh, no shit. Yes. But well, that's BS. It's, yes. not a, it's a concept. Right. Uh, they got right. sued. I, I don't know where it ended up in court or whatever, but it's still on Netflix. So I that's how a lot of people related, it, related that show to. It's like, it's yes. Choose Your Own Adventure. It was yes. almost like you... It's like yes, yeah. Also, uh, funny side note: my nickname in college, Bandersnatch. <laughs> <laughs> we had the Bandersnatchers as an acapella group. Are you serious? At Skidmore College. Oh yeah. my god, They're are you serious? There. Yeah, the Bandersnatchers. Well, wow. even though you uh, tried to make it naughty, Maddie, it's a reference I to it. How dare you? Why? My nickname was. Uh, I was in a band and I had and I like snatch. snatch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a band of snatches. What? Snatch is what we call basketball. <laughs> no. no, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> A fictional creature created by uh, Lewis Carroll, as a matter of fact, in the poem Jabberwocky. You being high culture, Maddie, I'm sure you knew that. Yeah, sass snatches. Um, all right, well, great. Okay, so there you, so there you go. Thank you. Great job. We, yeah, yeah, we, I wanted to do that one because I think uh, I think it kind of skipped by a lot of people. Black Mirror is is unbelievable. It is, is absolutely a modern day Twilight Zone. If you haven't seen it, yes. go back and watch the whole deal. There's a Christmas episode with John Hamm that is just haunting and just awesome. Yes, and, that's and a creepy it, one. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the, uh, uh, the the San Cupertino. Oh yeah, that, that's the a, afterlife that's, one. That that's one a great stayed one with me too. for weeks. Yeah, it just it makes it your head spin, it and, does. and it is the kind of thing like the next day you're you're enjoying your coffee, man, and you're and you're yeah. you're just running it back and you're, and you're running it back in your head and going, oh, what was that? And uh, Matty, uh, Ronnie, to your question, yeah, I, I got to imagine. The, the, I kept thinking this was good, if not great, but the potential for this 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 sort of entertainment the choose right. your own adventure yep. is uh, mind blowing in fact you could go back and do you know pick a movie well, pick raiders of the lost ark and create a different version of it where you, you pick your own path interesting yeah. imagine this though where are we heading <clears throat> virtual reality so mm-hmm. if you take this and, and apply virtual reality to that and almost that choose your adventure that's a whole that's freaking awesome mind blown mind <laughs> mike <laughs> drop <laughs> All right, everybody. Coffee uh, drink. Oh, and, and we've got a bunch of monster mails, but we ran out of time. We've been talking for like three hours, so we got to let these guys get out of here. Uh, Mike Smith, uh, Dave, Kevin. Who else we get an email from? We got we got five or six monster mails. We, we're not gonna have time oh, to get to. We'll oh. get to them. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. What do you got, Ronnie? Uh, my oh. Hello. Oh, there we are. Go go go. Brooksy, super fan. Yes. His daughter made us. Oh, Yeti, yeah, the mugs. Yeti mugs. I have mine for you and yours in the car. So when we leave, do you remember, what was her name? Uh, Ellen. Ellen. Thank so, you so much. These beautiful Yeti mugs with our with our names and monster our Twitter names. How does she make those? They're amazing. No, dude, but they're like fifty bucks a piece. Oh my god, that is so sweet. So uh, thank, thank you, you Ellen. so much. Thank you, Brooksy. Thank you, all you monsters out there. We appreciate the support. Support, Ronnie. Where can they find us, and how can they reach us? At Monsterland Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, for producer Kerry, producer Dave, my friend and uh, partner Ronnie LeBlanc. <laughs> what were you about to say? I am no more coffee, Red. no Six. sugar tonight. Yoko, I'm coming home, oh. and there's gonna be some sugar, baby. Oh man! Oh yeah, by sugar, I mean watching golf alone on my couch. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Monsterland Podcast. If you or someone you know has an experience to share, or if you have questions, you can reach us at monsterlandreport at gmail.com. Find us on social media at Monsterland Pod. Until we meet again in Monsterland.
full studio, full episode, fully erect. Wow. 